0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians Daily. This is Chris Spengel. Uh I know I rarely do a daily, but I uh, just had Remzo Martinez slide in my DMs and he bummed me out and we were having this nice long conversation. I was like, why don't we just put this on a podcast where people uh, can find value in it instead of you and I bitching at each other, which... Uh, Remzo, I listened to your interview with Brian Nichols, the lovely Brian Nichols of The Brian Nichols Show, and you're getting grumpy and surly like I am.
1: Yeah, there must be something in the water because that's the only other reason we can explain it. It's not like the world is just making a lot less sense, is it? Or libertarians are annoying. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this isn't anything new, but you know, I think I, I don't think we seem to really count our blessings. Like six, seven years ago, and I discussed this in an article I published over at Anne's Magazine, and I, I even touched on it in my book. Like, I remember, like in the early days. I know you've been doing this longer than I have. Like, we didn't have two pennies to rub together for conferences. Uh, there were almost no women showing up to events, and you were lucky if you ever saw the. You know, anyone mentioned libertarians on TV. These days we're a household name, but even then it's either, you know, depending on the crowd you talk to, it's either good or bad. So we have, we have all these really nice things going for us, but it, it's almost like we, um, you, you know, we... We, we try to marry ourselves to the age. We try to get really attached to just a couple key causes, to a couple key people. And then when things don't go well, just like anything else, we get really mad and depressed and people start pointing fingers. So right now, I think you know, if I were to call this period of time before the 2020 election anything, I'd say that right now we are probably in another big libertarian slump. We don't know – What's going on? No one's telling us what to do. As much as we like to call ourselves individuals, we like it for someone to tell us what to do. Right. We we don't have a Jesus figure and everyone just wants to, you know, slash each other's throats. When in fact, you know, when when you look at around when you look around at the people that you're trying to work with while at the same time fighting, you need to realize that these people are ultimately, at the end of the day, they might not be your friends, but you have more in common with them in the long run than you do anybody else that never gave a crap about
0: you. Yeah, so I have noticed this uh, trend as well, and that's kind of what we were talking about. So you went to Students for Liberty, and let me let me give you a proper introduction. Um, what are you doing now? Because I know you were called Rimzo Republic, that was your podcast name, but what well, you've written a book now you've uh, you've got a podcast. What is the name of everything? Where can people find you? Let's get the plug right out when everybody's listening. I want people to go listen to Remzo. Uh, he's a smart smart kid. Uh, how old are you, you now? Thank you. How old are you now? Uh, tw- 24. All right. You're you know, a child. Old,
1: old, old enough to have a <laughs> beer now. Yeah. I, I I barely get around to adulting as much as I should. Yeah. No, I wrote a book. The book is a bestseller. It's uh stay away from the libertarians. You can go ahead and find it on Amazon and uh, Kindle ebook or even Kindle unlimited today. It's a fun read. Talks a little bit about my involvement in the wild and wacky world of libertarians. And I think it's the only succinct uh, history of the libertarian movement between 2011 and 2016 so definitely check it out help me out share it with a friend all that jazz but you can also find me uh, pretty much you know two or three times a week over on my podcast the Remso Martinez experience and for some of those that might remember all the times that uh, you know Chris was spreading conspiracies about me it used to be called the Remso Republic except I became more popular after the book came out and no one knew about the podcast so I was like oh this might be good for rebranding also after after several years of doing the REMSA Republic, people thought that was my last name. <laughs> so unless I decided to become a Puerto Rican rapper, I don't necessarily think it was the best marketing tool. Now I, w- I will say we actually
0: have a Puerto Rican rapper as a former co-host. Joe Ruiz is is uh, doing fantastic as a Puerto Rican rapper now. Uh, they exist. <laughs> they do. Yeah, Joe's What the hell rhymer educator. Yeah, you'll have to go check that out if you if you remember Joe. Go. Uh, he's a teacher and he started. A rap career. He's Puerto Rican. It's fantastic. Um, so We're going
1: places, folks. Yeah. So
0: you name it, the libertarian movement has it now. Uh, you. So I've I've noticed that I am happier over the last year and a half. The more I focus on libertarian thought and philosophy and principles, and I try to apply that to a normal audience of people who are not. Like the more I try to focus my show on regular people and less on libertarians, the better this show seems to become and the happier I become. And that bums me out. And uh, it it is it is inexplicable kind of how the movement went from. You're right. Like I went to ISFCL or whatever it was called in 2013, and uh, I've been in the libertarian movement since 2008. And when I first joined and started going to Libertarian Party meetings, although I didn't always agree with them, you had people like Lee Wrights and Mary Ruart, and they were kind of the leaders in a lot of ways. And the Libertarian Party was very focused on um, principles and values and ideas and the ideology. Uh, people like Sharon Harris, you'd interact with these great people who were just focused on the ideas. And what I have noticed since 2016, since Trump and, um, you know, really since memes have become a big deal in the last three years, libertarians who are sitting there going, yeah, libertarianism used to be about principle and now it's not. It's about Bill Weld. It's like those are the very people that are irritating more than anything because you're beholden to memes. The libertarian movement has become about popularity and personalities and what camp you're in and we have really become the opposite of why I joined which was I wanted to join around the philosophy. I didn't want to join around whether I liked Bill Weld or not or whether I thought taxation was theft or not. I want to have those debates and you can't really have those debates because everyone's beholden to memes and personalities and podcasters and and it just drives me crazy. And so I read your article which begin with where to find that article, but I read your article and I go it sounds like this year's Students for Liberty Liberty Con, which happened this past weekend, um, yesterday, was really like the, f- like, it, it. just explain, having set it up that way, explain what Liberty Con was this year.
1: Liberty Con was essentially two things. One, it felt kind of like a funeral. And I say that because at most conventions, at most conferences in the past, there was always this sense of, you know, as, as one person I interviewed put it, it used to be, at least LibertyCon specifically, even back when it was ISFLC, the International Students for Liberty Conference, it used to be all party, all students. This year felt like no party, some students. Hmm. And I think that was the most apt description he could provide. But, you know, after the the ass kicking we've got over the last couple of years, whether it's with the libertarian party or the libertarian movement within the GOP, or even just cultural stuff, everyone's talking about identity politics. No one's talking about the real issues, like the fact that we're the number one incarcerator of nonviolent offenders in the world. It felt like there wasn't that driving force. There was a sense of almost, you know, defeat in a way. And, And the other awkward thing was, um, It felt like, and you know, I don't want to, I don't really want to focus on Bill Weld because I ultimately don't think at the end of the day, he's all that important, but it felt almost like it was meeting your future in-laws in an arranged marriage. It's like, (laughs) hello students, this is Bill Weld. He will be your leader. And Bill Weld's like, hello. And it's, it just felt, it just felt really uncomfortable and awkward. And in the middle of it, amongst these hurt feelings, amongst the sense of get on the train or get off, you have people during panels taking swipes at each other i have problems with some folks but as i've gotten older i kind of just keep it to myself because i've got nothing to gain from it like it, it's really just a gripe and that's it at the end of the day i don't hate these people i don't dislike these people it's just a gripe and i pe- adults should move on past I, I feel breaks.
0: like if we if we talk about what we agree on everybody's kind of they get along like nick sarwark and tom woods if they sat down and talked they agree on a lot of stuff It's the style that everybody disagrees on or the particular group they're trying to message to. Like, it it seems superfluous. Like, David Bowes, I saw Tom Woods tweet something out about David Bowes, and I don't know. Welcome to We Are Libertarians Daily. This is Chris Spangle. Uh I know I rarely do a daily, but I uh, just had Remzo Martinez slide in my DMs and he bummed me out and we were having this nice long conversation. I was like, why don't we just put this on a podcast where people uh, can find value in it instead of you and I bitching at each other, which, uh, Remzo, I listened to your interview with Brian Nichols, the lovely Brian Nichols of The Brian Nichols Show, and you're getting grumpy and surly like I am.
1: Yeah, there must be something in the water. Because that's the only other reason we can explain it. It's not like the world is just making a lot less sense, is it?
0: Or libertarians are
1: annoying. Yeah, I mean, this isn't anything new, but you know, I think I I don't think we seem to really count our blessings. Like six, seven years ago, and I discussed this in an article I published over at Anne's Magazine, and I I even touched on it in my book. Like, I remember, like in the early days. I know you've been doing this longer than I have. Like, we didn't have two pennies to rub together for conferences. Uh, There were almost no women showing up to events, and you were lucky if you ever saw the. You know, anyone mentioned libertarians on TV. These days we're a household name, but even then it's either, you know, depending on the crowd you talk to, it's either good or bad. So we have, we have all these really nice things going for us, but it, it's almost like we, um, you, you know, we... We we try to marry ourselves to the age. We try to get really attached to just a couple key causes to a couple key people. And then when things don't go well, just like anything else, we get really mad and depressed and people start pointing fingers. So right now, I think, you know, if I were to call this period of time before the 2020 election anything, I'd say that right now we are probably in another big libertarian slump. We don't know what's going on. No one's telling us what to do as much as we like to call ourselves individuals. We like it for someone to tell us what to do. Right. We, we don't have a Jesus figure and everyone just wants to, you know, slash each other's throats. When in fact, you know, when when you look at around, when you look around at the people that you're trying to work with, while at the same time fighting, you need to realize that these people are ultimately, at the end of the day, they might not be your friends, but you have more in common with them in the long run than you do anybody else that never gave a crap about
0: you. Yeah, so I have noticed this uh, trend as well, and that's kind of what we were talking about. So you went to Students for Liberty, and let me let me give you a proper introduction. Um, what are you doing now? Because I know you were called Rimzo Republic, that was your podcast name, but what you've written a book now you've uh, you've got a podcast. What is the name of everything? Where can people find you? Let's get the plug right out when everybody's listening. I want people to go listen to Remzo.
1: Uh, he's a smart smart kid. Uh, how old thank are you, you now? Thank you. How old are you now? Uh, tw- 24. All right. You're you know, a child. Old, old, old enough to have a <laughs> beer now. Yeah. I, I I barely get around to adulting as much as I should. Yeah. No, I wrote a book. The book is a bestseller. It's uh stay away from the libertarians. You can go ahead and find it on Amazon and uh, Kindle ebook or even Kindle unlimited today. It's a fun read. Talks a little bit about my involvement in the wild and wacky world of libertarians. And I think it's the only succinct uh, history of the libertarian movement between 2011 and 2016 so definitely check it out help me out share it with a friend all that jazz but you can also find me uh, pretty much you know two or three times a week over on my podcast the Remso Martinez experience and for some of those that might remember all the times that uh, you know Chris was spreading conspiracies about me it used to be called the Remso Republic except I became more popular after the book came out and no one knew about the podcast so I was like oh this might be good for rebranding also after Several years of doing the Remsa of Republic, people thought that was my last name. So unless I decided to become a Puerto Rican rapper, I don't necessarily think it was the best marketing tool. Now I, w- I will say
0: we actually have a Puerto Rican rapper as a former co-host. Joe Ruiz is is uh, doing fantastic as a Puerto Rican rapper now. Uh, they exist. They do. Yeah, Joe what the is hell rhymer educator. Yeah, you'll have to go check that out if you if you remember Joe. Go. Uh, he's a teacher and he started. Rap career. He's Puerto Rican. It's fantastic. Um, so We're going places, folks. Yeah. So you name it. The libertarian movement has it now. Uh, you. So I've I've noticed that I am happier over the last year and a half. The more I focus on libertarian thought and philosophy and principles, and I try to apply that to a normal audience of people who are not. Like the more I try to focus my show on regular people and less on libertarians, the better this show seems to become and the happier I become. And that bums me out. And uh, it it is it is inexplicable kind of how the movement went from you're right. Like I went to ISFCL or whatever it was called in 2013, and uh, I've been in the libertarian movement since 2008. And when I first joined and started going to Libertarian Party meetings, although I didn't always agree with them, you had people like Lee Wrights and Mary Ruart, and they were kind of the leaders in a lot of ways. And the Libertarian Party was very focused on um, principles and values and ideas and the ideology. Uh, People like Sharon Harris, you'd interact with these great people who were just focused on the ideas, And what I have noticed since 2016, since Trump and, um, you know, really since memes have become a big deal in the last three years, libertarians who are sitting there going, yeah, libertarianism used to be about principle and now it's not. It's about Bill Weld. It's like those are the very people that are irritating more than anything because you're beholden to memes. The libertarian movement has become about popularity and personalities and what camp you're in and we have really become the opposite of why I joined which was I wanted to join around the philosophy. I didn't want to join around whether I liked Bill Weld or not or whether I thought taxation was theft or not. I want to have those debates and you can't really have those debates because everyone's beholden to memes and personalities and podcasters and and it just drives me crazy. And so I read your article which begin with where to find that article, but I read your article and I go it sounds like this year's Students for Liberty LibertyCon, which happened this past weekend, um, yesterday, was really like the f- like it. It just explain having set it up that way. Explain what LibertyCon was
1: this year. LibertyCon was essentially two things. One, it felt kind of like a funeral. And I say that because at most conventions, at most conferences in the past, there was always this sense of, you know, as, as one person I interviewed put it, it used to be, at least LibertyCon specifically, even back when it was ISFLC, the International Students for Liberty Conference, it used to be all party, all students. This year felt like no party, some students. Hmm. And I think that was the most apt description he could provide. But, you know, after the, the ass kicking we've got over the last couple of years, whether it's with the Libertarian Party or the Libertarian Movement within the GOP or even just cultural stuff, everyone's talking about identity politics. No one's talking about the real issues, like the fact that we're the number one incarcerator of nonviolent offenders in the world. It felt like there wasn't that driving force. There was a sense of almost, you know, defeat in a way. And, and the other awkward thing was um, it felt like, and, you know, I don't want to I don't really want to focus on Bill Weld because I ultimately don't think at the end of the day he's all that important. But it felt almost like it was meeting your future in-laws in an arranged marriage. It's like, <laughs> hello, students, this is Bill Weld. He will be your leader. And Bill Weld's like, hello. And it's it just felt it just felt really uncomfortable and awkward. And in the middle of it, amongst these hurt feelings, amongst the sense of get on the train or get off. You have people during panels taking swipes at each other. I have problems with some folks, but as I've gotten older, I kind of just keep it to myself because I've got nothing to gain from it. Like, it, it's really just a gripe, and that's it at the end of the day. I don't hate these people. I don't dislike these people. It's just a gripe, and I, pe- adults should move on. Past I spreads. feel
0: like if we if we talk about what we agree on, everybody's kind of – they get along, like Nick Sarwark and Tom Woods, if they sat down and talked, they agree on a lot of stuff. It's the style that everybody disagrees on or the particular group they're trying to message to like, it, it seems superfluous like David Bowes. I saw Tom Woods tweet something out about David Bowes and I don't know what that was about because there was no context to it, but it's just more of that Cato versus Mises. And listen, I am a libertarian largely because David Bowes really spoke to me early on and I have become a better libertarian because of Tom Woods and I like both of those guys and it just to me, and I like Nick Starwork, it's like, why are the three of these people fighting with each other?
1: <laughs> it's like having a fight over which parent you want to go live with in a divorce. <laughs> right. And it's like, you know, I, I was a, I was a Cato University Bastiat scholar uh, in my book. I talk very highly of, uh, you know, Tom Palmer, for example, Dr. Tom Palmer. And, you know, I lived in Alabama for a bit and I used to go to Mises events and I love the Mises Institute. I don't I don't get why you want to draw this line in the sand. And it's like you choose me, your father, or else you go with your whore mother. And it's like, no, no (laughs) one benefits from that. You guys are just dividing amongst Mises or Cato,
0: Choose now.
1: Yeah. Besides, I mean, at the end of the day, let's really consider it. Let's really look at ourselves. We're not that big. It's almost like we're arguing over who should be the most popular kid at the special ed table. (laughs) It's just not going to benefit us. So the whole vibe and, you know, the number one word I got from uh, students and other attendees was this exhaustion, Mm. exhaustion from the constant ridicule from non-libertarians, exhaustion from the constant infighting of other libertarians and this. This almost kind of, you know, Walter Mitty type of journey they're going on. They feel like they're continuing to walk down this road as if they're getting ready to find the land of milk and honey. And each time they get farther, they find out, oh, it's another 2000 miles. Oh, sorry. It's another election. Oh, sorry. Maybe it's the next generation of people. So it it was, it was very, it was very sad in that, in that aspect. And I had some people reach out to me. They're like, Remso, I wish you didn't criticize LibertyCon because now we're going to lose some of the momentum we had. And I'm like, guys, I wasn't attacking LibertyCon. I was just talking about what happened. And it's important when it comes to movements to understand where we were, where we are and where we're heading. And not to pitch my own book, but this is a big discussion that I bring up. It's like, if we don't, Reflect on on who we are right now and where we came from. How do we gauge success in the future? And it's an incredibly uh, disappointing thing when it really gets down to it. Well, and it's this isn't isn't permanent by any means.
0: Yeah, and I don't feel like you're criticizing LibertyCon because it is a great convention, and you know it was when it was ISFCL, or you know this is why they changed it to LibertyCon. And I went last year. Yeah, the acronym's kind of a pain. Right. It was a disaster (laughs) when I went to LibertyCon last year because of the weather. They should probably make it like February or March. But honestly, but it's it's a great convention, and not to criticize those folks. Uh, You know, we're not trying to piss on their parade, but. I, I, I'm on my third cycle of uh, Libertarian college students, and the first round w- were hardcore Ron Paul fans. And then the second round were a little more open to... Uh, the, the, the first ro- group were just like hardcore Misesians. And then the second group was kind of like... Um, they, they were less about the personality, but more about ending the Fed and the ideas that Ron Paul talked about and what and economic policy. And this third round just kind of seems a little lost. And so that's why your point of they're not being a direction, they're not being a leader. It's like we've kind of drifted away from Ron Paul and the Mises crowd being sort of the predominant, you know, because there was this one uniting figure at the top in Ron Paul bringing all these new people in and they were loyal to him. We don't have that now. Gary Johnson, as much as I love Gary Johnson, he was a very weak candidate. He was a very weak leader, and that has a lot to do with the campaign that uh, that he hired. Um, And now we're just sort of looking at Bill Weld versus Adam Kokesh. No thanks. Like Rand Paul is uninspiring. Like there, I do think that as I think your point is well taken. In the absence of a leader, it's kind of like without that one person pushing people towards a certain thing. I have seen that that uh, atrophy take place over the last three generations.
1: Yeah. And you, you hit it right on the head. And I, you know, this is, this is going to be unpopular when I say this, but at the end of the day, what is all political ideology? It's all at the end of the day, it's a secular religion <laughs> and libertarians are no are no different than communists, progressives, conservatives, anyone else, whatever your ism is, everything is a secular religion. And what do we have? And you mentioned this at the beginning of the show, what is our sacred text? It's memes and cults of personality and who are the prophets. They're Rothbard. But wait, you can't talk about Rothbard because Ed Crane doesn't want to go it, ahead and talk about no, it. No, no, no. R- Renzo,
0: it's not, it's not those guys anymore because it was really for the first couple generations. I feel like mm-hmm. as a libertarian podcaster, I really take my responsibility very seriously. And I think a, I think a lot of the other guys do. We all know each other. But I think we all have to look at it and go, we do, when we sit behind this microphone, bear some responsibility in how our tribes treat the other tribes. And I think if you're Tom Woods or uh, Jason Stapleton or you or me or Lions of Liberty, like you have to go, the people that you start to choose as villains, your people are going to start to choose as villains. And do you want that gun turned on inside the camp? Or do you want to say when David Bowes criticizes you, you know what? David Bowser's wrong, and I, I would love to have a conversation with him and try and figure this out. That doesn't make as good of radio, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it does make a better movement when everybody starts to talk to him. I don't think that it's the sacred text. I think that it is just whatever the current Twitter is. I think an Eric July is more influential for a lot of young libertarians right now than Murray Rothbard is. And Eric's yeah. great, but he's not writing full treatises on political theory.
1: You're, you're absolutely right. And what, what I was mentioning in my example earlier, I was going to do like a condensed version of it. It's like you see this progression and slowly we're starting to even lose our religion a little bit. Yeah. We're not really identifying, okay, where, where, where is the land of milk and honey we're supposed to go to? And I mean, at the end of the day, what I remember as a student, you know, as a, as a community organizer, as a campus coordinator, like it, it used to be this. And I remember when Ron Paul said this at the first YALCON, um, you know, if you're going to have a revolution, let there be music. Like dance a bit, have fun. I think we take ourselves too seriously. And in a large extent, like, you know, I I understand the purpose of having students show up in suits and ties and stuff. Like I totally get that. Like I I don't have a problem with that. But like, for example, at the end of the day, you're college students, you're gonna go back, you're not gonna wear suit and ties. Like, let people be people, let them have fun, let them have bread and circuses when appropriate. But it seems like we take ourselves too seriously and then we wonder why people get burned out because, you know, the libertarian movement, we, we don't have two things. We don't have many people and we don't have much money. Therefore, we have to have more fun than everyone else to keep everything coming when it needs to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I I agree the, the the boomers ruined that they showed up in tie dye t shirts and then the cameras would pick up all the The, the boomers the...
1: were freaking horrible yeah. they were the majority
0: there <laughs> they're the villain of my show um, <laughs> but no the the suits thing like that's just because people took they were trying to out but like be outrageous you know so show up in a furry suit with the Statue of Liberty tied to you and like that and the cameras would pick that up and they'd make us look like fringy lunatics but I think yeah. I agree it's really I agree just, with just that. nitpicking we've taken me, that fine. we've taken that too far like there this everyone needs to calm down i purposely did not take a suit to to liberty con last year but you know and i don't mean to pick on the other podcasters i want to make it clear like i genuinely respect anyone's effort and everyone's effort i just think you know a lot of what i'm trying to do with my show is the villain that i'm trying to paint is your internal self like turn that in on yourself like i fucked up big this weekend I totally called those kids Klansmen. I totally bought the story. You know, I totally did exactly what I tell people not to do on a constant basis, and I'm embarrassed
1: by it. Yeah, I, I thought it was a false flag. Of course, so total psyop by the Chai cop. Right, <laughs> false flag. You know,
0: <laughs> and it's like I can sit here and say, well, you know, Phillips is the enemy, and he's the leftist, and I do kind of think that. Like, or these kids are the enemy. But at the end of the day, it's like how I handle the situation that is the thing that needs to change. You know, and and not it's not Bill Weld's fault or any of that because I respect the fact that Adam Kokesh, for instance, has seemed to take Bill Weld under his wing <laughs> and tried to mentor that guy a little bit. And like that has been the thing that I've been looking for from libertarian leaders. It's like don't turn the gun inwards. Start saying, All right, let's let's sit down and talk with Rimzo if we have a problem. You know, I don't think we're doing enough of that. And I think it's really starting to cost us as a movement. And I think we're going to be so disorganized by 2020. And we're going to be we're going to just be full bore infighting flame wars. Facebook is going to be hell that we're going to blow an enormous opportunity in 2020 because we can't be nice to each other.
1: Exactly. And I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm going to wait until Trump is out of office to get involved. And, you know, (laughs) one one thing I one thing I've said is like at that point, like the four horsemen might as well come. You know, sectarian (laughs) violence is over. We made peace between uh, the war of, you know, the crab people and stuff. And now aliens are coming down like you don't know what's going to happen. You might as well get involved now. And, you know, one one thing I told people and I I got a lot of crap for this recently was I said, hey, if uh, you don't play on voting in any of the primaries uh, in this upcoming election, I highly recommend you vote for Tulsi Gabbard in the Democratic primaries. At least shift it. You don't have to like her or anything else, but if you want to see more of a conversation about non-interventionist foreign policy, what do you have to lose? And suddenly, it's like that is sacrilege. And it's like, man, we, we got we got to think big. We don't live in a void. And you know, libertarians, we're dealing with a president that's probably going to get reelected. I'm I'm putting you know all my chips in for a Trump re-election. I don't think he's Leaving at all and I don't think the Democrats are going to make much of a You know much of an impact at all unless we have Maybe that Tulsi versus Trump debate Who knows I'm not an oracle or anything But what better time than Now than to get a Good libertarian candidate that can You know really invigorate the base and Bring in some new people and then say hey you Know your guy's not going to win or you don't Like this guy so you want a referendum on him Why not vote for a libertarian candidate You're going to get people to do it once and once you vote libertarian once, you're more apt to do it again, and then it just starts to become a trend. And then you're like, "Crap, I don't remember the last time I voted for anyone that's not that doesn't have an L next to their name." Yeah, I totally
0: agree, and I made that point to to no avail, and I have for four years now. Well, yeah, I copied you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> anytime. Uh, if you're listen, if you steal from me, you're stealing twice. But. I, you know, Gary, there are a lot of Gary Johnson libertarians and there are a lot of friends and family that I, I, I had talked into taking a look at Gary Johnson and then came back to me and said, have you seen his Facebook page and the comments on it? Have you seen what people like it? it, They look at it and they go, I'm not getting involved in this muck and mire. You guys are exactly the same. You know, and then for the second part, it's like they voted for Gary Johnson, and then for three years, all these people who get involved in the libertarian movement who liked Gary Johnson, so they got involved, went, so they're talking about me, right? Because people don't, having worked in media forever and, like, dealing with audiences directly, they don't think about things in terms of you talking about Gary Johnson. They hear everything from a selfish point of view. So... Everything we're saying on this podcast right now, you're thinking about how it applies to you. And so you, as a communicator on social media, need to think, when I talk about a libertarian, a fellow libertarian, other people hear, oh, I like Tom Woods. They think I'm an asshole. Oh, I like Nick Sarwark. Oh, they think I'm an asshole. I like Bill Weld. He has some nice things to say. Oh, I'm an asshole. And then they just go. I'm done with this. No thanks. So you really have to think about the way that you talk about people. And I agree. I think this way about AOC and Donald Trump. Like when people,
1: like they um like, like just as a side note, real fast, sure. I like her. I think her policies are crap. Right. But like as a person. I don't think anyone really understands. She went up against an unpopular incumbent. She had good financial connections and she was in a D plus 12 district. It could have been Ronald McDonald and, <laughs> and he probably would have won. Right. But you know, like conservative media, for example, they created her. Right. And then we wonder why when you see AOC? You're like, ah, El Diablo, El Diablo. It's like, let, 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 let's really yeah, step back and think about this. This is a product of our own creation. We're creating our own headaches.
0: I I just think we have to get back to talking about ideas. It's like, she seems like a fun, nice person who's very effective at communicating her message. I go dancing with her. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I I think that um, some people do have bad motives. And uh, I think like the Green New Deal, I think that is, and I I poked you on Tulsi Gabbard because she is for the Green New Deal. I think that is uh, a tremendously disastrous piece of policy it's it's
1: green on the outside but it's commie red on the inside
0: (laughs) it's 100 and i (laughs) but i think that uh these people genuinely believe something different than i believe and they think i'm an extremist crazy person but i really just think that libertarianism is best for humanity and they they think the other thing is best like We have to take a look at people's motives. Like, I learned my lesson this week. It's like, I impugned these kids' motives. The kid looked smug. He had an assault smirk on his face. And it was just like, no, the kid probably felt awkward. There is another explanation. There is another reason this person... So, anyways, not to belabor the point. But, yeah, the message that you send when you're talking about other libertarians, a lot of people are watching. Like, the person that you're arguing with in a comment thread... Doesn't matter, you're not going to change that person's mind. Remember there are a hundred people watching that that conversation. And those are the people that you can reach. Those are the people that can change your mind. But the second you go negative and start calling that other person an asshole, they immediately think you're an asshole. Trust me. I know this from experience, Remzo. I am a complete dick.
1: Oh, I have a whole closet full of dumbass decisions on my end. I, <laughs> you know, I've, I've had to say my culpa many times, but, you know, like, for example, like there was, I, I have multiple stories coming out. Um, you know, one, I got into a bit of a tussle with a Google representative, but, you know, I also wrote an, an article about UBI and I've actually been writing about universal basic income for, you know, a few years. I, I I come from more of a Chicago school and I know this might be a bit of a rant, but, you know, I, I do think that universal basic income is a step towards abolishing the welfare state entirely. I don't think it's the, I'm not going to be out of the UBI rally, but I don't, you know, have as much vitriol and hatred for just discussing UBI because it might work, it might not work, I don't know. But we had, uh, at LibertyCon, we had uh, Jeffrey Marin from uh, Harvard University, a conservative economist, debate Andrew Yang uh, an entrepreneur who's running for the Democratic nomination for president, he's not going to get it, but he's running and he's running on an entirely UBI-focused campaign. He showed up. They had a. They, it was like a firing line-style debate. They made jokes. They laughed. They had a good back and forth. And at the end of the day, and I wasn't going around telling people, "Yeah, UBI for the win." I had people saying, "You know, I'm not sold." But that was a good discussion. And I think we all got got something from it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where we're at. It's it's just adults disagreeing with each other in a polite manner. I think that's people crave that. And I just think libertarians are failing at leadership right now in in this pursuit because a lot of people are curious. I just went on Frank Caliendo and Al Jackson's podcast called Alan Frank Try to Be Serious, uh, which you can listen in the in the feed here. And the whole premise of their show is Al's, you know, they're they're not even right or left-leaning. They, they have opinions, but they're just more curious about anything. And, and having conversations, they invited me on to talk about libertarianism, and they're like, I've never heard any of this, you know? And so all of these people that listen, the tens of thousands of people that are going to hear this episode go, hey, I'm going to go check out We Are Libertarians, or I'm going to go check out their website, or I'm going to go check out their Facebook, and like Do you know how many people I'd turn off if I just were like talking about inside baseball and what an asshole Bill Weld was? And it's like, that's not relevant to people. Start being relevant to the normies. You know, and 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 do it in a way that is just not too provocative. Like, you know, Rimzo, we have to do some things to get attention. Like that's the nature of this beast. But there's a fine line. Uh, I'm not doing it again. But see, you have a nice body. You have like a nice dad bod.
1: You know, I'm proud of it. It takes a little bit of work. You got to get the protein on the right levels, and you only got to hit the gym a few days. You're
0: 24, though. Like, trust me, when you get to 35, my body is falling apart. Not that it was great. Trust me.
1: Well, I I had neck surgery last month from a car accident two years ago. So, you know, it's not about the age. It's about the miles. You're the
0: Peyton Manning of the libertarian
1: (laughs) movement. No, bro. I'm the Brett Favre. I don't
0: know how I'm alive. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't send your mushroom cap to anybody.
1: Uh, No one wants to see
0: that. All right. Final plugs, Remzo. Tell us where we can get your articles and this article that we've been uh, kind of glossing over here. Tell us how to find you and where they can follow you.
1: So go ahead and follow me on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. It's Remzo 4 VA for it now F O R V A, and you can find me on all the networks, uh, Gab, Minds. Um, instagram facebook if you want to go ahead and check out this article and some of my other liberty con coverage go to and the article that chris and i were kind of taking apart and glossing around is called fear and loathing at liberty con 2019 and i'm gonna have a, a couple extra articles talking about some of the other stuff that happened like me and the google rep and the ubi debate coming out between now and thursday so go ahead and check that out and hey help help me out fam Go ahead and check out my book. It's a short read. Each chapter is written, so at least you can go to the bathroom, and one chapter equals one shit, so you can get through the book in probably about you know, 18, 20 shits, and you, know, it's, it's, you can read it on your phone. You can get the book. It's good bathroom material, but Stay Away from the Libertarians by me, Remso W. Martinez. It, thank you so much again, Chris, for having me on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's like the anatomy of the state. Uh, uh, of the libertarian movement versus Brian Doherty's Radicals for Capitalism which is you know the Four new liberty you know where it's too, it's or human, it's just it's very short it's a very easy read you know and you it's an 18 to 20 shit book that's a great way to describe it like we all have to shit right so you might as well be entertained but here's the problem i can't have you cutting into my meme time oh you will get memes from this book this
1: book is inspired by a meme uh.
0: Aren't we all? All right. That's enough of this. Thank you, Remzo. Check out the Remzo Martinez experience. And uh, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Remzo. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Chris. God bless. Take care.